Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU, The Choice. How's it going, everyone? I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle here on this Tuesday. How are you guys doing today? So far, so good. You know, I mean, we we, we had to pivot to doing a show on Tuesday because there is women's basketball tomorrow night on Wednesday. But, I mean, so far doing well. Um, like I was saying to you guys off, off, I guess, off the show, just ready for Thanksgiving break. It's it's coming close, but the last couple days and the last week before, it's just it's the it's the longest period of time until it comes there. So, and then you get Thanksgiving break, and then a rapid just jump to Christmas break all of a sudden. So we're kind of almost entering the the best part of the fall semester. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, it, I heard my professor say a couple weeks ago that he was like, "I prefer spring semester," and I was like, "Yeah, because you get to teach us more." <laughs> Than, than than you do in the fall whenever we get a break every other weekend, yeah. Yeah. which which is nice. But I'm doing good, ready for Thanksgiving as well. Uh, kind of feel like I'm drowning a little bit sometimes here with the school and all the other extracurricular activities. But uh, we're chugging along and, and excited for a, a really good show tonight, hopefully. Yeah. It should be fun. we got lots to talk about. And I just have to say, the senioritis is definitely kicking in, though, for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm graduating in December it's it's still it's back from high school it's kicking me right now so uh yeah but we've got lots to talk about in this episode from college football to the nfl and the nba as well as a little mlb talk but we're going to start here with tcu as always uh they played texas tech last week and we're not going to talk about it that much because honestly it just didn't go very well and it happened last thursday so we're going to be previewing the game against texas uh, a big matchup here for the Longhorns, who are still looking to make a push for the college football playoff and certainly have their eyes set on a Big 12 championship. And for TCU, it's an opportunity to play spoiler and see what happens, really. I mean, what, what are your guys' expectations? You know, let, Let's first talk about what has really gone wrong here for TCU as this season has started to crumble here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's tough with TCU right now, and especially this season, is that it's not just one or two things. It's it's a multitude of things. Obviously, the roster turnover from last season was the biggest thing coming into this year. And then obviously with Chandler Morris getting injured. Uh, but even before that, it wasn't that Chandler Morris was the savior that people kind of asked him to be and expected him to be. Perhaps that was you know unreasonable, which I, I do think it was. But yeah, I mean this this season a lot has gone wrong. I think also at this point of the season, it's been t- it's been really tough on the players as well. Um, I think they're mentally drained. It's hard for them to kind of get up and say, "Hey, we we've got another game and we got to push it again." It's it's, I mean this season is feels so far gone. Even though you're four and five, only four and five, and that there's still three games left, but they're you know these three games are against you know good opponents. So it's 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 been tough this season. Um, but hoping they can try to turn it around against Texas or, or, or get some sort of positive result from it. What's gone wrong? So many things. <laughs> so, so many things have gone wrong. Uh, I don't even know where to start, and I don't even know what to do about it because uh, ever since that BYU game, I feel like it's just it's watching just the most most brutal suffering that I've ever seen on a football field. The, the BYU game contrasted with the last two weeks is so odd. I, but y'all, y'all, I mean, everyone oh, yeah. would, would agree with that. And even the weeks prior to that, it's like, what happened 
against BYU. Did BYU now? It's starting to feel like that was just more like a BYU problem than a, than a TCU success story. Yeah, if anything else, right? I agree. Um, and there's there's a lot of questions revolving coordinators and, and you know head head coach you know game planning and, and whatnot. And I, I have no interest in in discussing those here because uh, that just will take us down a rabbit hole that I don't think any any of us want to go down at, at this at this exact moment. Because uh, like y'all said, TCU has an excellent opportunity to play spoiler. They get to do the the thing that uh, Texas was trying to do last year when TCU went down to Austin. While T well Texas season was in a much better place than uh, TCU is, is this year. Last year, uh, TCU can pretty much single handedly derail their college football playoff hopes if they can beat them. Uh, that's a long shot, but if they can, then um, you're waving goodbye to the Longhorns uh, and also waving goodbye to their playoff hopes. Yeah, I mean it's an opportunity for what will likely be the last matchup between these two teams and. Who knows how long? I mean, it, it is going to be the last one for quite some time. But TCU's had some success recently against Texas in the last few years. And, hey, what's what's one more win? But it's really hard to have optimism at this point because, like you said, Seth, that BYU win was kind of – is really actually sandwiched in between two straight losses. So you've lost four of your last five. And it really felt like the offense – is lost its I mean its touch I guess I don't know if it's ever really been there but I don't know um I was fairly disappointed to see that they didn't really show up um too much there against Texas Tech until the end they they started to make it a close game but I don't think the score necessarily reflects uh the how that game went yeah and and kind of going back to I guess conversations that we have all had prior to this episode and and in previous episodes at that, I think one of the biggest things is the tempo at which this offense runs. And I know, Seth, you, you're you very adamant about this, is that, look, this is a quick-tempoed offense. That's fine. But Josh Hoover is a very young quarterback. You you know, and, and if, if you need to adjust that for your quarterback, you need to make those adjustments. You can't keep running it with, a, with perhaps a quarterback that – can't keep up with that type of high-tempoed offense, you know. And, and I, again, I think it goes back to the idea that TCU has failed to make adjustments in most of the games it's played, whether that's an offensive adjustment or a defensive adjustment. This team doesn't do well when they're, when they're down, when they're having to come back. Um, and when they're ahead, it seems like they can stay ahead unless it's a shootout like we saw against Colorado. But outside of that... You know, I mean, this this team really fails to make adjustments, and I think it begins with, you know, not even having the best offensive system or the best offensive style paired up with a good enough quarterback. So it's 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 been frustrating all season, and I mean, there's really nothing else to say about that. It's it's been a frustrating season for the fans, but even more for the players and coaches who do this every day and wake up every day and practice. You know, but um, again. I think what TCU can try to do in you know in, in bringing this in, in going into this game is playing spoilers, right? This is kind of what we saw two years ago in 2021 when Baylor came to Amon G. Carter Stadium, right? Uh, Chandler Moore started the game. That was one of the best games in recent history for TCU. Why not do it again? I'm not saying that we can't, but it's going to be really tough. They can do it again. You know what, guys? They can do it again. This is the game of the year the Super Bowl of sorts. Usually, you know, we'll put all our chips on the table for that Baylor game. Nuh-uh, no. 
you lose to Baylor this year, you, it's fine. Just if you can, if you can manage a way to to send these these wet farts from Austin back home <laughs> with a with a with a loss, go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's it's sort of a challenge here because this was kind of the part of the schedule where we all looked at the beginning of the season like, man. This is going to be a very challenge, you know, with Kansas State at, you know, Lubbock and then Texas, Baylor and Oklahoma. I just wonder where they're where where things are right now in that locker room knowing that you have two matchups against uh, very very difficult opponents and then a home game against Baylor and that's going to be very feisty and a rivalry game. So, yeah, I'm not really sure where where we we'll expect things to go for for TCU what I'm interested to see though is uh the offensive line going up against this Texas front because uh it's it's one of the better ones in college football and they it's it's gonna be a lot to handle so I'm praying for Josh Hoover hopefully the offensive line can protect them a little bit yeah I'm, I'm really concerned with how the Texas D line is going to affect the TCU offense in both the passing in both the passing and the rushing game. TCU has a very strong running back in Amani Bailey. Last week it was really tough for him to get going against Texas Tech. Um, but again, it's it's like look if 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 our O line can't give Hoover the protection he needs to at least get you know to drop back in the pocket, have some time and look at his options, then you go to the running game. But if you if if your O line can't get any push, if you can't win that that line of scrimmage it's gonna be a long night down in austin yeah and also there there is the idea of playing two quarterbacks with quinn ewers and uh, malik murphy i'm curious to see how they you know because they there is they are game planning for that that's what they mentioned today in the press conference (sighs) they never seem to game plan well for that yep yeah they never do every single time it's like we're game planning for two quarterbacks it's like well then you lose yep every single time i i mean even last year right they would win those games but it'd be like super nail biting a lot of the games last year were nail nail biting but it seemed like the ones where there were dual we've talked about this multiple times this year where there was a dual system quarterback or like there was some sort of injury that might prevent the starting quarterback from not playing but then he ends up playing uh they would never perform well, at least at the start. They would usually get their act together because they were mm-hmm. a more talented team. But that's not the case this year, right? A lot of you know young talent, which I, all of this has been talked out at length this entire season. Which I feel like at this point we're all repeating the same points over and over again about how this has just been a stinker and and, and there's just been a lack of adjustments and whatnot. Uh, but uh, if there is a week where they're gonna get, if they where they're gonna get up right for a game, it would feel like it would be this one, and 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 you would. Kind of, I know you can't predict a game just based on vibes, which I have done multiple times. This has been documented multiple <laughs> yeah. times where yeah. I have picked a game just based purely off of vibes. Uh, I think if you were going to do that, this would be the week where you would say, hopefully, you would hope that that coaching staff and those players know the significance of this and that they would get up. That is something that I'm not going to bet on, though, given the history of this season. They didn't get up for Colorado. How you don't get up for that, I don't understand, right? It's the first game of the season. You're coming off a national championship appearance, and Dion's coming to town. They didn't get up. You know how you, how you not get up for Kansas State, the team that just beat you in the Big 12 championship? I don't get how you don't get up for that. So there's there's a lot of cases where you would think that they would have, but they haven't. So maybe they will this week. Maybe they won't. Uh, we'll have to see. I just hope that they put up a good fight. 
Well, it's not up. Well, it is not up to us to see. You know what? Whether TCU will will wake up, they have to do it themselves. So let's talk about it though. Will TCU wake up? Let's do our score predictions. Uh, Seth, you want to start? I do want to start. Okay. I just said I won't pick off vibes. I am. <laughs> What well, was it, 30 seconds ago that we just went over this? <laughs> yes, it was. But I'm a man of uh, of contradictory statements, and this is another one right now. TCU uh, will win the football game. I have been correct two out of the last uh, three three times, maybe even more than that. I think I picked them, TCU to lose a couple times. We'll see. And they have lost a lot, and I've been correct. But I've picked the last two losses, and I almost got the score prediction right last week. I think I picked 35-21. You did. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm the GOAT. Uh, this week, TCU, the same score that Max Duggan beat TX Texas back in 2019 when the Horned Frogs were in those red blood jerseys for the first time. Uh, I believe the score was 38-28. to Sam Ellinger threw five picks in that game. That will not happen Dang. in this game, but uh, maybe it will. Or Who is- knows? It was thirty-seven to twenty-seven, but what? what thirty-seven twenty-seven. Oh, yeah, thirty-seven twenty-seven. Oh, that's your score. Yeah, thirty-seven okay. twenty-seven. So yeah, I mean, fun fact though, in twenty nineteen, I was a Texas fan. So uh, before Yikes. before switching to TCU, yeah. So I remember that game. Uh, I was like, ah, oh, this dude Max Duggan, man, is killing us. Trader over here, Zion. Yeah, I know. He traded. He was a trader like both ways. Like he, he betrayed betrayed TCU, and then he betrayed Texas. Yep. Yeah. And I'm betraying TCU again because I'm picking Texas to win this football game 31-17. to uh, It's just going to be a really tough fight. I think Texas is going to be motivated to stay on track and keep their eyes on the college football playoff. And so uh, th- that defensive line, I think, is going to overwhelm TCU. This is significant because Zion has been the eternal optimist in this building I have. for the entire time, and he's finally I'm jumped off. I know I've picked TC the last couple of weeks, hoping I'd be right. Well, he he's been wrong over the last three <laughs> picks, so yeah. I'm hoping that's where all this. Did you pick BYU to win? I did pick <laughs> BYU to win, and so I really hope I'm wrong. I'm trying to be optimistic, but it's tough against this Texas team. So yeah. UT thirty-one seventeen, still horns down though, and horn froggy up. Yep, exactly. All right, do you want my score prediction? Yeah, what's your score prediction? All right, I'll make this short and sweet. I hope I'm wrong, but Texas 38-17. to 17. Oof. Yeah, I, I, I was close to saying 38-24. to 24. I don't know, but I'll go Texas 38-17. No explanation from me. Just yeah. this has been a tough year. I don't think this is going to be a good game. Yeah, we'll see. It's at uh, Saturday, 6.30 on ABC. That's Bar- right. Barstool Sports will be there. Put the frogs in prime time. Everyone wants to see this. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little not the best timing. Are they going to really send Kirk and Chris down here for? Uh, uh, for the, oh yeah, for, they, 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 they might. <laughs> I'm so sorry to them. Where's Where's the ESPN game day? Uh, I'm not sure. It's not here. Yeah, well, that. it's definitely not here. That'd it be could have been if if TCU was a little better, but oh be yeah, cool de- if it was. definitely could have been. Uh. Let's see. Let's see where it is. I yeah, think it's in uh, Georgia. Oh, oh Georgia and um, so Ohio. is it Georgia Ohio State? No. Well, who's playing? Ole Miss. Georgia oh, Ole that's Miss. what it is. Sorry, I was like, I was like, they're playing someone that's number uh, ten, oh. but I don't know why I said <laughs> yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, that well, Kirk Herbstreit's gonna have a long day there. Well, they might. They, they you know what? 
if that game's on ESPN, they'll stay there. They won't do the night game. Yeah. But if that game's on CBS, then we, we're t- we, this doesn't matter. Uh, uh, Texas TCU play on ABC. Tune in if you got the rabbit ears. You can watch this one because uh, it's on broadcast television. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. But that'll wrap things up here for our TCU Texas preview. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about college football and the craziness in that past weekend. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. How was your drive to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then, someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody, to Rip Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Ian Apetian. I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. As you can see, um, again, it is a different setup here tonight, but that is because we had to pivot to doing the show on a Tuesday night. So Seth is not in his uh, in his normal little little dungeon. dungeon I'm in a different cave. I'm in a cave now. There you go. Exactly. Okay, there's a big old um, a tower of, of buttons to my right. Yep. I don't even know how you would describe this. It's ugly. It's like a giant computer. It's almost. it is a giant computer with a lot of different buttons that I was told that if I touched them, I would get in trouble. And a Darth Vader poster attached to it. Yes, there on, is on the outside. On the other side of it, there oh, is. Oh wow! Yeah, but anybody. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Anyways, gosh, welcome back. Um, we just talked a little bit about TCU and Texas previewing that game um, this weekend on Saturday night at six thirty. Um, but now we're gonna go and dive into some of a college football recap of this last week, and there are some great games on tap, and we're going to start up in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where the Oklahoma State Cowboys beat the Oklahoma Sooners by a score of 27-24. to That was a tight one. Um, Cowboys coming back in that fourth quarter to get their seventh win of the season. Both Oklahoma teams are now 7-2. and this was a pretty exciting game. Um, boys, what did you guys think about it? A significant one in term, in multiple different avenues. This was the last time that these two teams will play for the foreseeable yeah. future. Very sad. Tears, yep. tears, tears. But Oklahoma State gets the last laugh, even though they've only won like 19 times yeah. ever. They This will be the one that is remembered. I will remember this one the most. Yeah. Uh, because it's... I mean, it's the last one, obviously, and and it, it it's significant because this almost completely derails Oklahoma's Big Twelve championship hopes. Should you know, I mean, that's what that's what they wanted. It derails their playoff hopes. They're not making the playoff anymore. Uh, it's it, yeah, it's a it's a big deal. They rushed the field, yeah, uh, and they took the goalposts. It was a valiant effort. To it took about it looked like it took like a hundred people to, on top of those goalposts to get those suckers down, and then how they got it out of the stadium, I don't know, but they took it and threw it into a pond, and uh, everyone in Stillwater is probably still beaming right now. Because yeah. I, I know people that go to Oklahoma State. I know people that uh, love Oklahoma. I know how big a deal this rivalry is. Uh, and there's there's a saying, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it goes something like, Oklahoma, uh, Bedlam can only go one of two ways. Either Oklahoma wins by a little, little or Oklahoma wins by a lot. <laughs> That's the saying, or something like that. If you're a Sooner in my family, please correct me. But... Uh, that did not happen this week. Oklahoma State won by a little. 
Yeah, and it really it almost doesn't matter how much Oklahoma's dominated that series because the team with the last laugh always matters more. And certainly an exciting win for Oklahoma State for a team that looked so bad in the beginning of the season. They lost 33-7 to to South Alabama, and then they followed it up with a loss to Iowa State. And we were wondering, like, wow, what a disappointing season this is going to be for Oklahoma State. And they have turned it on a dime. They are really picking up some momentum here. And it's really just an exciting win there for, for the Cowboys and you know, for Oklahoma, I mean that that's that's a heartbreaker for sure. I know uh, for the Sooners after that win over Texas, you're thinking, well, this team could make a college football playoff push. You know, they looked pretty good there, and and now that's all out the door. So tough loss there for for Oklahoma, but super super happy for Oklahoma State. It's poetic too because the the way it ended was that Drake Stoops caught a pass and was short of the line to gain. And that enabled Oklahoma State to just kneel out the ball. Now, yeah. Drake Stoops, who's his dad? Bobby Bobby Stoops, the legendary coach that only lost, that, that I think, you know, has the best record out of any Oklahoma head coach against Oklahoma State. And for his son to be the one who catches the final ball and be short and therefore giving Oklahoma State the win, slightly uh, meaningful, I think. Yeah, he had a good game, though. 12 catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown, but didn't have enough yardage to get the win for OU. Yep. Well, with with that, I mean, gosh, that's the last uh, Plus Bedlam, Bedlam game wow. for a very long time, perhaps. This is sad. I know. I think we should dwell on this a little bit because uh, this game, you know, while it has been lopsided, the rivalry historically, right? I've always had a good time, and, and most sometimes these games are not close. Yeah. Uh, but whenever they are close, you know, and it's a good it's a good game. I mean, it's called Bedlam for a reason. They're usually pretty crazy. This one was pretty good. I just want to, you know, Oklahoma State won the last two home games. They won two years ago, which was a big deal, uh, and then they won this year. And, you know, to do it, the way that they've done it this season, like you touched on it, Zion, how they were dead in the water. They were dead in Theta Pond, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, to to, I think it just speaks to how good of a coach Mike Gundy has been, how consistent he's been there, uh, is that they're never, like, horrible. They're never, like, catastrophically bad. They're always, like, mid to pretty good. And this year's a year where they started off, like, really bad, and then they've gotten off the map. Alan Bowman has emerged, you know, he was supposed to be a star at Texas Tech. He's had some really, you know, unlucky injuries, but played a really good game. 334 yards passing uh, on 28-42. And then shout out, uh, shout out to my boy. I got, I got Ollie Gordon II, who I saw play in high school. Mm. He single-handedly carried Trinity High School against uh, Allen High School once in the 2020 playoffs. He had over 500 yards rushing. Jeez. Uh, And I thought that he was going to be, and he also played quarterback. So he was the quarterback and the running back. So there was, he was just, I mean, it was pretty much just a wildcat offense. And I don't understand how they couldn't stop it because you knew what they were going to do. They were just going to run Ollie. Uh, and shout out to him. He's finally, you know, catching his stride at Oklahoma State. And I can't f- help but feel personally happy because I got to see him crush Allen High School in person. There you go. There you go. Well, now kind of shifting gears, moving from the state of Oklahoma and Big 12 football, going over to Pac-12. Um, as I'm so, Oh, my God, Pac-10. Where's my brain tonight? 
Sorry, going over to the Pac-10. Pac-12? What are you talking about? Oh, it is Pac-12. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know why I said Pac-10. Big oh, 10, my gosh. Pac-12. Yeah, I'm thinking about Big, Big 12. I'm so sorry. Pac-12 football, which has perhaps been the most exciting in its final year of existence for now. Ian. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what you doing in that brain, man? What are you doing, man? <laughs> What's going on, man? Gosh, that was perfect. Is that what just happened in your brain right It then? was, yeah, dude. I was literally playing a game of tennis with like names in my head going back and forth. I literally couldn't get it out of my brain. <laughs> my gosh. That's probably Zion's favorite sound effect that I've ever played. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible, man. Gosh, I have elementary school humor. Potty humor is the best, though. Oh man, this is this is probably the only show that we could have played that on because it's not live. Because it's not a live show, exactly. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful thing. Anyway, USC and Washington played. I could have played that sound effect for Alex Grinch's defense. If yes. you know what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, the Washington Huskies took care of the USC Trojans, 52 to 42, um, ultimately ending. Uh, Caleb Williams and USC's hopes for a Pac-12 championship game. Uh, we saw the videos and images at the end of that. Obviously, that's tough for Caleb Williams, but us at TCU, we don't really feel bad for him too much. Um, I doubt a lot of people feel bad for Caleb Williams. Played well, too. He did. He did. He he uh, went 27 for 35, 312 yards and three touchdowns, but the Huskies edged out the Trojans. Um, again, 52-42. to 42. Wow. Michael Penix... I mean, again, delivering for the Huskies. They're now 9-0. and um, Great game in general. What did you guys think about it? I thought that the defense is stunk. Yes. And I think that uh, if your defense gives up 256 yards rushing to one man and 199 of those are before contact, that you deserve to be fired. And I would be warranted in that because he did get fired. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it was about time, uh, it, honestly. It, it was. It should have happened last off season. Yeah, and it. Uh, they didn't. They waited a little too long, and you know, we've talked about USC every single week, and I feel like this will be the last time we do because now that they are out of the Pac-12 championship race, uh, what is the need? And now that their defensive coordinator, who we have been harping on this entire time, is gone, uh, why do we have to? Because. In his last games as the defensive coordinator for USC, he gave up 28, 41, 41, 48, 34, 49, and 52 points. Jesus. Clap it up for Alex Grinch's defense. Just an outstandingly horrific performance. Uh, And now he gets to have a paid vacation. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's sorry. It's never good when you're when when the opposing running back has as many rushing yards as the opposing quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Dylan Johnson ran all over USC. Twenty six carries for two hundred fifty six yards and four touchdowns. That is just absolute domination. And what has been just an awful USC defense to watch. It has been killing me uh, seeing them try to come up with the stop. Um, because they just can't at this point. And I really feel I feel somewhat bad for Caleb Williams because he's had, you know, a really pretty good season and in and, and this game he played pretty much flawless and you put up forty two points and you still uh can't win a game. So 
but congrats to Washington. They are they're having a really good season, and I think this was one of the final two hurdles that they will need to get to the Pac-12 championship game and keep their playoff hopes alive because they have Utah this week. Luckily, that's at home for them. It's a little bit of a easier, you know, if they had to go on the road, that might be a little more challenging. And then they have Oregon State and Washington State, which I feel like they can take care of business there. But if they can beat Utah, I feel really good about Washington, you know, moving forward. They'll, they will be in the Pac-12 probably and Pac-12 championship. Uh, but, you know, as far as those playoff hopes. Well, I feel good about them being Utah too, but, I mean, we've talked about it too. Utah's the team who likes to spoil the Pac-12's playoff hopes every uh-huh. single year when Utah's not involved. Uh, and will it be this week? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I really like Washington, and I hope that they do well because it'd be fun to just have some newer teams in, in the mix late here Yeah. Uh, because we know Ohio State will be in the mix, we know Michigan will be in the mix, we know that Georgia will be in the mix, and now heck, even Alabama's back in the mix, and Texas in the mix, and and it's kind of it's cool to see Texas back in the mix purely because they haven't been in a while, uh, and I think that the sport is better when they're good, mm-hmm. um, and that just I mean that that really hurt to say, but uh, <sighs> I'm excited for Washington if they can get over that Utah hurdle, like you said, Zion, uh, they'll be they'll be in pretty good shape, but Oregon. Um, has really been trending up. Oregon uh, just beat Cal 63-19. to They killed Utah the week before that, uh, and so they've been trending up too. Oregon gets USC this week, so we'll see how many points they put up on a, on a defense that no longer has a coordinator. Yeah, know? Oregon's definitely knocking on the door, and it's just so exciting to have a race like this because it sort of feels like, I mean, this is the most exciting race, in my opinion, in, mm-hmm. in college football right now is this Pac-12 and seeing where this will go. And, you know, Oregon State's kind of falling off falling off a little bit, but, you know. I mean, Oregon State's fun, though, just purely based on the fact that uh, they're beavers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ian, I have a question for you. Yeah. So when you lived in Oregon, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what was the gauge on – and I know you were younger, so you yeah. I don't know if you had as – Oh, no, uh, I, I, I remember the gauge. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about in here? What was the gauge like for Oregon and Oregon State fans? What who had more? I'm assuming Oregon had more fans. Oregon but... had a lot more fans. Okay. It, everywhere I went, it was it was green and gold. Um, yeah, and and not to get too sidetracked, but when I went up to Oregon and lived there, that was like 2011. So I had no idea what college football was. Um, I thought they were A's and Giants fans up there with oh. the colorways. <laughs> and I was like, wow, well, they don't have a baseball team, so of course they're going to be A's Makes, and Giants and, fans. And, they probably, and, and that's probably what they, they're, well, actually, they're probably more Mariners fans, I'd imagine. Actually, no, there were a lot of Mariners fans. Yeah. yeah. Every, a lot of people in Oregon are Seahawks fans and stuff like that, too, but... Yeah, no, the 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 needle totally went towards towards and that, LU, and that makes sense, uh, obviously, because they're more successful. They got that Nike money too. Yeah. Uh, but Oregon State, it's always cool to see them good, and they got DJ. And, uh, I'm not even gonna try and pronounce his last name uh, over there too. But they've kind of had a weird season. But we're not talking about Oregon State. I just wanted to see what it was like up in Oregon because I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. No, didn't ton know. of ton of uh, Ducks fans up there. Eugene was a big place that everyone would go on the weekend so did you? i never made my okay. way up to eugene um i was all, i was always busy doing soccer tournaments and games on the weekends so. and i'm <laughs> assuming you didn't go to corvallis at any point either i actually did go to corvallis actually i, I went to corvallis quite a bit but just not for football well <laughs> yeah so 
Uh, they just got a pretty new stadium. They Again, did. not trying to sidetrack this, but the, they just redid their whole like I don't yep. remember what side, but it's it's beautiful. Yeah. It's really small and and for like that fan base that's not big, like that's what you kind of want, like a smaller, more intimate yep. environment where it get, you can pack it out and it can get loud. Exactly. So I, I want to go. I want to go to both because both stadiums uh, look really beautiful. We should do a Riff Ram road trip. Riff Ram yeah. Road Trip. Riff Ram Road Trip. Like so Oregon and Oklahoma because that's where we've been <laughs> oh on the most. <laughs> that's awesome. Two two vastly different um, environments. But yes. They, they, what are you talking about? It's Baker's Bakersfield looks like Tokyo and <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah and you and Oklahoma City looks like uh, Singapore. Oh my gosh. There we go. Yes. Well, for Washington beating USC, I mean, again, this is. This is gearing up for what is going to be a great battle between two Pacific Northwest teams in Washington and Oregon. Uh, but moving on now, we want to get to at least one more game that went on this weekend. It was the Texas Longhorns beating the Kansas State Wildcats in overtime, 33-30. to um, Really, really exciting game. Malik Murphy showed up again. Um, he's been pretty special for this Texas Longhorns team, stepping in for Quinn Ewers when he went down. Um, but again, got to give credit where credit's due. Kansas State battling out like that. Um, Will Howard had a great game. He threw for 324 yards, uh, 327 yards and four touchdowns, rather. Um, but this was a really exciting game. I, I didn't watch the entire game, but I went bowling. And so I, I watched the last quarter and, and the last overtime. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun watching. Uh, Texas was pooping their pants late, though. They, they really wanted to. They really wanted to lose this game. Outscored sixteen to three in the fourth quarter. First, the first Texas is a wet fart <laughs> after <laughs> pooping their pants. Well, they were. I thought it was going to be a classic Texas moment. I really did. It felt like that was. You know, they always have those games where it's like, oh gosh, it's usually. It, it's like, are they? What are they doing right now? And that's what it looked like. They were. They were like they had a stretch where there was like it felt like there were ten turnovers in a row. Uh, yeah. And just giving it back to Kansas State yep. because Kansas State was dead. Like they, they did not have any juice, and then all of a sudden in that fourth quarter, it was in even, that starting in that late in that third, and then going into that fourth when they tied it up. Uh, but yeah, this game was nuts. Uh, Kansas State had a f- t- game tying field goal at the what, like the six yard line. Brick. Oh yeah, it was like closer than what a PAT would be, and he shanked it left. But then he nails a freaking forty-seven yarder, forty-five yarder. As time expires, yeah. And I think I texted y'all. I was like, "College kickers, the most bipolar group of humans on the planet," because there was a stretch of college games where it was just kicker, kicker, kicker. We had a special guest here. This dude, <laughs> the host of. Of blast beats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that, I hope, I hope that that Mike caught that. I hope that the Mike caught DJ that. DJ Destruction, everybody. Yeah. Yes. He, he was sneaking in, and I saw that y'all were laughing, and I was like, what are y'all laughing at? And I turn around, and he's just trying to sneaky get get through here. What was I saying? Um, um, the, I'm not the, sure. The game-winning field goal, do change it from six yards out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, well, college kickers. Yeah. Bipolar people. So Texas went up 27-7, to and from that point forward, Kansas State scored a touchdown. Texas fumble. Touchdown. Fumble. Touchdown. Kansas State tied at 27. A field goal, then a missed field goal by Kansas State. Punt. And it's just unbelievable back and forth. And it's just, you know, Texas almost crumbled there. And know? then in overtime, I'm the king of the go for two if you're the inferior opponent in <laughs> overtime, man. 
I disagreed with this one, mostly yes. because Texas, uh, Kansas State's defense was playing fine. Like Texas had no yep. juice in yep. the second half, and uh, that that was just me at that point. I'm usually the guy, especially you know in the, the Pac-12 shootouts that we've had, you know, especially against USC, you know, pinning on their defense. But in that scenario, especially because it was they were at the four. If they yes. were at like the two, sure, sure, right. But they were at the four, and also the play call. Was it bad. was a bad play call. I agree. Yeah, but that, it, contextually there, it just didn't make much sense because yeah. your defense just forced a, a three and out. Yeah. Like, they got zero yards. Yep. And they were, like, Malik Murphy, for how good he played in the game, was really struggling in the second half, and they just didn't have anything. So there, kick it, go to second overtime, play your, play your cards, uh, and th- that was kind of the consistency. Usually, you know, on the internet, there's a lot of those aggressive folks that aren't yeah. like me that are. Uh, but I thought that one was a bit more mixed, just based on the context. No, I I totally agree. When when I was watching, I I wasn't sure. I mean, I felt that if I was going to say I'd kick the field goal for that exact reason that you you've held the the you've held Texas this entire second half basically, and you've been completely, you know ruling in the momentum game perhaps if 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 that's what we want to call it um but yeah that's the thing four yards out to 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 go for the win that's a long four yards especially at the end of a game my thing was kind of like just kick it take it you you have the upper hand right now or so it seems and either way if you give up a touchdown it's not going to be over because you still have another shot at it too um but and again, if they were at like the one or the two, I to- you I, know, would I, understand I would that. actually I would actually support them going forward yep. that, in that instance. But they were at the four, yep. and you're not you're not running a two point conversion play at that point. You're running something completely different. And what they decided to run was Will Howard runs backwards ten yards, yes. and uh, the Shadur Sanders play is what yep. I like to call that one. But yep. it didn't work, and Texas got the win. Uh, and when it looked like they were dead and they weren't going to make the playoff. Uh, they reared back alive, yep. which is some, not something that we've seen Texas do a lot exactly. uh, the last couple of years, and that, to me, shows progress. It does. It does. It it, it definitely shows progress. But um, anyways, that will be it for our college football segment, talking a little bit about Big 12 with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, um, Kansas State and Texas, and then also we went over some Washington and USC action over in the Pac-12. Yes, the Pac-12. Um, but yeah, that will wrap it up for our college football segment. Up next, we've got some NFL talk. Josh Dobbs, is he a Minnesota legend now after that game? I think he might be. Um, we've got that coming up in our next segment. In our next segment, so stick here. You're listening to Riff Ram Review on 88.7 The Choice. I'm a pretty great multitasker. I can wash dishes and do laundry. I can roller skate while walking my dog. I can even order lunch while doing my homework. But I can't use my phone while driving. A distracted driver is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. So when it comes to driving, please, don't be a multitasker. Don't drive distracted. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to episode 11 of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. We're going to be talking about the NFL and a lot of good games that happened this weekend, starting off with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles getting the edge there, winning 28-23. The Cowboys had an opportunity there at the end to win this game, 
But as the Cowboys usually do, they just collapse in these last-second drives. They just have some madness going on. They got bailed out by some penalties, and then you get a delay of game, and it just went to poop for the Cowboys as they lost. A lot of number two references tonight. Another one. Yeah. Yeah, you thought when they got to the six-yard line with 27 seconds left that they might got to have a good shot at this, and then uh, chaos ensued. But, you know, that's what that's what typically happens. Yeah. Uh, this game uh, was—it was good, though. It was a good game. It was a good game. Yeah, no, no it, it, was, it was a very good game. I, I got to be honest. I mean, Dak, Dak Prescott looked really, really good. He, he, he looked very comfortable in the pocket, very com- comfortable moving out of the pocket. Um, I feel like I haven't really seen him move that fluidly for a while. He was really getting out of that pocket pretty well. Um, I thought it was a really good game. I got to be honest, that was probably one of the worst defensive drives to end a game I've ever seen from yeah. the Eagles. That was horrid. Yeah. That was a horrid pa- last drive. 40-yard penalty <laughs> yeah. on pass interference, roughing the passer on Dak after yeah. a 10-yard gain. They just gifted the Cowboys excellent field position, and the Cowboys couldn't capitalize. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of the Cowboys didn't earn – the opportunity to get to the six yard line. So I guess it all kind of played out in the end. Uh, but it kind of reminded me there was this game in Re- Dak's rookie year against the Steelers. It's one of the more infamous Cowboy football games where the Steelers scored with like basically no time left on the clock. Uh, and the Cowboys could have won with a field goal, but they ended up getting into field goal range and then scoring the game winning touchdown on like back to back to back face mask calls by the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> yep. I remember that game. And then Ezekiel, it was on Jason Witten, and then Ezekiel Elliott ran it up the gut yeah, for and a touchdown. Cole Beasley had a face mask call on him too. It was crazy. It was like, what are they doing? And yeah. one of them was like where the play had stopped, but then the Steeler guy just like went, came in and just grabbed the face mask. And it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It was a wild, uh, wild but, game here. And that back then between the Cowboys and the Steelers. And this one was crazy, too. Uh, I have to say, though, the Cowboys, I thought they played better than I expected to, expected them to. Of course, Dak had a really good game, and this game pretty much came down to inches there with uh, Luke Sco- Schoonmaker you know, being short at the goal line by mere inches and then Dak stepping out of bounds on that two-point conversion. Yes. Uh, but you, I liked what I saw from the offense. CeeDee Lamb continues to his monster season. It's his best season of his career. He had 11 catches for 191 yards. I liked what I saw from Jake Ferguson, um, finding himself open in the in that zone, in that Philly zone. And uh, Dak actually missed him a couple times down the middle on a critical fourth down. He threw it to Jalen Tolbert, but I think Ferguson was pretty pretty wide open. But Dak and, and Ferguson seem to have that seam route connection down. And uh, I... I was impressed with the offense. I didn't expect them to win this game. Um, you know, the run defense struggled a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm still on that high about the Rangers, so, you know. Yeah, nothing, soft, could, nothing could hurt me. Yeah, it's this this loss kind of, you know, the Rangers winning kind of softened the blow a little bit for me. Um, but It know. was a good game, and that's what makes, like, usually after a Cowboys-Eagles loss that's, like, kind of heartbreaking, it's like, God darn it, dang it, that game sucked. But, you know, I could, I could view this game for what it was. Yeah, there's certainly things to like about this Cowboys game, and now the schedule kind of lightens up here for Dallas, uh, where they play uh, the Giants, then they go to Carolina, and then they play Washington. So things get a little bit easier for the Cowboys here, and things get very challenging for Philly uh, they have a bye week, but then, and I don't know the order, but I believe they played the Chiefs. Dolphins. Uh, I think it might be Buffalo. 
Um, they play my. I know they play Miami. Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys. Yeah, Chiefs, Bills. Not, yeah, that is a That's gauntlet. A tough so while the division might be out of reach, it's certainly not impossible given this Philly, this schedule for Philly. I, I expect them to maybe drop one or two there. Yeah, but even then, you know, that I'm giving the Eagles the benefit of the doubt until yeah, whenever because they've just. I mean, they've they've beaten everybody and yeah. they've proven that. Uh, I mean, it's really easy when you only got to get nine yards on, for, on through the first uh, three plays on offense, and then you can you know because you know that last one's a given. The yeah. brotherly shove or the tush push. Yeah, it's it's really effective for the Eagles, and it, it worked plenty uh, for Dallas. One th- one thing I did want to mention though is it's a little disappointing, of course, but not surprising that the Dallas Cowboys didn't make any acquisitions at the trade deadline. And it felt like where this team could have used some help, they didn't get any. And that's super frustrating because the front office said, well, we made those moves in the offseason. Imagine if the Texas Rangers had that mindset. They wouldn't have won the World Series. It's, oh, we made all our moves in the offseason. We don't need to upgrade it. You're telling me Martavis Bryant doesn't move the needle for you? It does not move the needle at all. For the Eagles, you know the trade deadline guys that really stepped up for them? Not trade deadlines, but guys they've acquired via trade. DeAndre Swift had yep. you know, a pretty good game. A.J. Brown, Hassan Reddick, all guys that they've acquired stepped up for the Eagles. It's just that's the gap that the Eagles will have over Dallas is that they are willing to go out and make moves where the Cowboys, yeah, they made some moves in the offseason, but they just stand, stand there. Howie Roseman runs circles around the Jones family. Yeah, they do. And uh, it was just it's a little disappointing to see, but again, not surprising. With these Dallas Cowboys, again, they will play the Giants next week uh let's talk about the minnesota vikings yes Yes. uh they beat the falcons 31 to 28 when things looked bleak for minnesota when kirk cousins tore his achilles in comes their hero and their savior joshua dobbs who got acquired on tuesday and had a few days to learn the playbook they probably just ran some they ran some pretty simple plays you know this kind of universal language that everyone knows in the NFL, and he he threw for two, 158 yards and two touchdowns. What didn't a even, game! Didn't even start. Jaron Hall started yep. and went out with a concussion, and they were like, "Crap, we got to bring the guy who who only knows how to throw a, a slant route." I don't know if that's true, but I've, they probably just gave him the Madden playbook, and they said, "Learn yeah. the Madden plays, uh, and, and you'll be good." But he was fantastic. Uh, it was it was really funny because he was like, "I don't even know these guys' names," uh, and he it felt like that. He he did know him, and, and Ian, I know this might hurt a little bit, but it kind of was reminiscent of that Baker Mayfield game last year. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. No, no, it it, it totally was. It it totally was. I mean, with Josh Dobbs, I think that's crazy, right? I mean, he's been th- this is his third team uh, this season. He started off with the Titans, and he's with the Cardinals for some time, and then obviously now with the Vikings. But just like you guys said, he was only in the in the Minnesota camp for a matter of days. And now, you know, again, he, he didn't go into the game expecting to start. Even if he was expected to start, if he got the win, that would be huge. But he went into this game as as the guy on the bench to start, right, with Jaron Hall in there. But, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy for him because he's been in the league for a while. And he's been this, you know, he, he's been that, like, traditional backup guy and kind of just, hey, we'll toss you in here just to kind of fill up some time until we get our main guys back. But... I mean, he's taken the opportunities afforded to him this season in particular, and he's ran with it. I mean, um, the stat line wasn't anything amazing, but it didn't have to be. As long as you got the win, and I think for the Vikings too, they started 0-3. Now you're 5-4, and right? So what, 
right? Is, is that correct? Vikings start at zero three, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, so then you go five and one in the next six weeks, um, and one of those wins is after your quarterback of the last six years towards a uh, sorry towards Achilles. So I'm I'm very happy for Josh Jobs. I think what's what's cool too is that we're starting to see really how smart this guy is. I mean, things about him studying aerospace engineering. Um, he finished college in three or three and a half years, majoring in aerospace engineering. So I mean, this guy is. He's a very smart individual, um, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's translating to to his ability to pick up you know some things in terms of you know in terms of just well know, he's had to, everywhere along. he's gone he's had to pick up a playbook fast like in Tennessee last year and then in Arizona this year and then in, in Minnesota he's had to do it in like like <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Seth, this is your fault. I'm well aware. Just sent a Josh I heard you guys Jobs. laughing as I was finishing up my sentence. I was like, what are they laughing at? I'm shaking my head at Seth because he sent a stupid meme about our run Josh sheet. Dobbs. He put a massive meme of Josh Dobbs on our run sheet. I put sheet. two of them, actually. Yeah. Yes. On our run sh- trying to go over our points, and I just see you just lost <laughs> yeah. to Josh Dobbs. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Such an easy guy to root for, though. Really, I mean, it's it's you know really incredible story, and the touchdown pass to Brandon Powell to to win the game. Um, Trying to bring some life, some energy to the Josh Dobbs talk. We I, had it. We definitely had some, but you know. Uh, oh my gosh! It seems yeah. to derail. I think we should uh, move on to the next game. CJ Stroud, baby! Wow! Yes, the what Houston, a game! Yes, what a game for the Houston Texans and for CJ Stroud, who is just come into a league of his own it's incredible that a rookie quarterback could throw for 470 yards five touchdowns to guys like Noah Brown Dalton Schultz and Tank Dell it's unbelievable uh you know they're good they're okay receivers but that that's pretty incredible what CJ Stroud did uh single-handedly willing them to a victory over Tampa Bay and there were some late game heroics for Baker Mayfield too but just there's too much time too much time too much time for CJ yeah. yeah, what a game. Uh, set the rookie passing yard in yep. a game record. Yep. yep, single game rookie passing yard record. I, yeah, he phrased that <laughs> a lot better than I did. I said those same no, words in a whole lot of different wor- of an order. But really impressive for C.J. Stroud. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I thought that Bryce Young was the better out of the two coming out of college. But uh, as we all have n- all know, that, that is not, and that certainly could change as we go along through their careers. But right now, C.J. Stroud looks like a, a grizzled veteran out there and is, is just really really impressive and he's carrying me to fantasy wins so i really appreciate that as well yeah. yeah no i mean stroud had one heck of a game and i mean this this was the the thing is that this would have been a great game on a personal note even if they lost it would have shown a lot about his character even if they had lost but he you know he obviously helped the texans get the win but i mean he's having a great season and again uh zion you mentioned it like the numbers he's putting up with the receivers that he has is actually just ridiculous um I mean, there's really nobody on that team um, aside from Dalton Schultz that came into the season being like, "Hey, this is this, you know, this is a really well-known receiver that we're going to utilize." I mean, CJ CJ Stroud really has nothing. Um, he could very easily say, "You know, th- this is going to be a real tough first season because I don't have any options." But I mean, he's kind of put on the big boy pants and dealt with it. And I mean, just for a stat comparison, I'm I'm not saying I'm not trying to read too much into it, but just comparing stats briefly to Patrick Mahomes this season um I was caught off guard when I saw this I saw this on on Instagram but 
C.J. Stroud has thrown for 2,270 yards. Mahomes has thrown for 2,442. The touchdown-to-interception ratio for Stroud is 14 to 1, 14 touchdowns to 1 pick. Mahomes is 17 touchdowns to 8 picks. Wow. Um, And the overall QB rating is 102.9 for Stroud as opposed to 96.7 for Mahomes. I just think it's a really interesting comparison um, for – Obviously, two very different quarterbacks, obviously in very two different points in their careers. Um, but the fact that he's putting up these numbers with with such a, I guess, depleted team, um, and the fact that it's in that the fact that it's in his rookie season and the, and that they're as good as Mahomes right now. I mean, it's really, really impressive what this young man is doing. Um, and I mean, I'm, I I wasn't the biggest CJ Stroud fan going into this season. I mean, the thing is I wasn't big into college football, so I didn't really know much about him, but I mean, congrats to him. He had a huge day with five touchdowns. He had a 71.4 completion percentage as well. Wow. So really, really, um, he's passing if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) oh my gosh, cause it's a C grade. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, really, it's it's impressive to see what he's doing. He's showing a lot of poise, a lot of leadership um, to be able to get his team back into that game and winning it is, is pretty impressive. And obviously, the arm talent is there. And it's it's very exciting to see. And really, the Texans are surpassing expectations. They are now 500. And I don't think anyone saw that coming. So uh, congrats to them. Sorry, I'm feeling a little bad, though, for Baker Mayfield, who had a pretty good game himself, um, but not able to to get the job done. Uh, the last team we wanted to talk about was Ian's Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Uh, big win over the Giants, 30-6, to but the bigger story here is Antonio Pierce and uh, what he's done. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I was really pleasantly surprised by the Raiders' win this weekend. It's, you know, perhaps the best we've looked all season. Um, again, this is coming off the back of, you know, firing Dave Ziegler, our GM, and Josh McDaniels, our former head coach now. Um, but no, I mean, really happy with with the the thirty to six victory over the Giants. It's, I mean, what what's what's good is that it was it was the it was the type of win that I think all Raiders fans needed. But at the same time, we can't get too excited. This is what we needed to do, right? You get this big win. It feels great as a fan. It feels great for the team. But at, at the end of the day, you did your job. You beat a team that came into this week two and six. Um, obviously, tough, tough for 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 Daniel Jones tearing his ACL, and then you know. But but again, I mean the 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 Raiders did everything that they were supposed to, and even though that's the case, the Raiders had not done that at all this season. You go into a game with expectations, and hey, you should be hitting on these marks. You should be hitting hitting on these marks, and we haven't. But fortunately, the Raiders stuck. To their game plan, um, really happy with Aiden O'Connell. I think he's a really, really talented quarterback. Um, I'm, I feel bad for Jimmy Garoppolo that we've benched him, but at the same time, I mean, you know, we're we're gonna have to go through a couple ups and downs with quarterbacks after Derek Carr was there for about ten years. Mm-hmm. That's just gonna be natural, right? Um, but I think Aiden O'Connell did did really well. Um, and super happy to see the Raiders get back into that winning column because it was a it's a tough last couple of weeks as a Raider fan. Yeah, and it's pretty inspiring to see what Antonio Pierce has done. He had the practice squad players in uniform at the game, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Coaches don't t- typically do that. 
And who, hey, who knows? Maybe the Raiders uh, have a good coach in their own. I think yeah. it's pretty funny that we are talking about the Vikings, the Raiders, and the Texans in a game, in a weekend where we had Chiefs, Dolphins, <laughs> Bengals, Bills, but those games didn't really necessarily live up to the hype. It yeah. Was, uh, not, not, they were, they were okay games. But they were fine. Right. It's just they weren't as, in, like, the storylines that came out of those games weren't as enticing. Yeah, I figured it was worth mentioning. Oh, um, totally. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about one team, though, that really made a statement to me was Baltimore. They beat Seattle 37-3. to uh, I think they are absolutely legit, and I think they are the best team in the AFC. And I, I think it's, you know, people may want to say Kansas City, but Baltimore looks really good. Lamar Jackson has some weapons for once. Uh, they have a pretty good running game with Gus Edwards and that defense, man. They get after it, and I'm really excited about Baltimore. I think they could be a legitimate contender, maybe playing in the AFC Championship game at the end of the season. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see indeed. Yeah. We'll so see. That'll wrap things up here for our NFL talk. Coming up next, we'll be discussing the NBA as they wrap up their first week and a half or so. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody, to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Ian Nepetian, and tonight I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. We just got finished talking about the NFL weekend, some really great games there. Eagles, Cowboys, Josh Dobbs, now a Minnesota legend, I guess. Um, and now we're going to go into some NBA talk. The NBA got tipped off exactly two weeks ago at the time of filming this on a Tuesday night. Um, so the first two weeks of the NBA are through, and we're going to start off right here in Dallas with the Dallas Mavericks, who are off to a fabulous start this season. They're 6-1, and one, sitting second um, in the Western Conference. They're coming off of a 117 to 102 victory over the Orlando Magic. They've got a two-game winning streak. Um, again, six and one. Only loss was to the Nuggets, which was in that NBA in-season tournament, which is kind of weird. Not sure how you guys feel about it. It's it's just kind of awkward. But so far, I mean, a really good start for the Mavs. Yeah, the in-season tournament. We'll we'll talk about that first. Is very confusing because I kind of thought it was going to be consecutive, but the next in-season tournament game won't be until uh friday where they play the clippers for the mavericks so it's like it's spread out and i don't know it's a little disjointed right now and i'm not a huge fan of the uh, court designs yes. either i was under the impression that these weren't going to count against the regular season and then i i looked at the Mavs record all of a sudden they had a loss and i was like oh so we just doing this now yeah so i'm just confused by the whole rules and they're playing on wacky courts yeah yes. so it is a regular season game but a tournament game as well that counts towards their record playing for a little trophy i guess um, and they thought they could make it different by putting them on a wacky dacky disney yes. world court very yeah. colorful courts the bulls one 
I need to talk to the people who designed the Bulls one. Yeah, it's there's definitely some ugly ones. But, no, yeah, the Mavericks have gotten off to a really fantastic start. I think they've surpassed my expectations for sure. And that last, last night's win against the Magic is – you know, it's like, oh, well, people might just say, oh, well, it's Orlando. Well, they've they've played a lot better this season, and that's coming off a back-to-back where they were at home, they hit the road, and uh, there's kind of a different mindset this year. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving both played in that game. That probably was not the case last year. Uh, the Mavericks are 3-10 and last season when they're playing the second game of a back-to-back, so they flipped the script in the second half to get a win there. And it's really the way that they can close out games that's going to make this team extremely dangerous. Obviously, Luka Doncic, his playmaking ability, you know, his ability to take over games with that uh, electric step back three. And for Kyrie Irving to play off ball is pretty impressive that the fact that he's hit a lot of big time threes where it's just catch and shoot and he's left wide open. And that's not someone you want to leave wide open. Uh, he can also hit free throws in the clutch, and and Grant Williams has also stepped up big time. So the Mavericks have a lot of guys that they can go to late in games, and that's going to be hard to stop. It's the defense. That's the question. It is a question. It's uh, Alex Grinch is the defensive coordinator for the, uh, for <laughs> yeah. the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, but it's I feel like it's better, somewhat better. It's, yeah, it's the second half defense. The first half, they've gotten shredded. In opening night against San Antonio, I think they gave up almost 50 points in the first quarter. Yeah, it, every sing, they've been, they had, it's the first time in their franchise history that on in back-to-back games they've won after trailing by double digits at halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's somewhat significant, but I would like to see that same kind of ferociousness in the, in the first half because then you don't have to fight back in the second half. But the offense is there. Uh, when Grant Williams is shooting from three like he is, that's pretty good, uh, and, and and to be playing like this even when Kyrie isn't playing like like isn't shooting that well, to, at least to his standards, then you know you're doing pretty good. And Luca's still Luca; he's pretty great. Yeah, and 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 that's one thing I wanted to touch on is that I know Zion, you and I were talking about it, and you told me Luca's in midseason form form right now, and typically for him it takes takes him some time to kind of get what into into what is his midseason form, whether that's um, you know performance midseason form or even just physicality and and like health-wise midseason form but I mean he's averaging 31.6 points he's averaging 9.6 rebounds a game and 8.9 assists per game and I know we're only seven games into the season but that's a start for Luka that maybe the Mavs haven't really seen all that often from him um, and, and it's a great sign hopefully he can keep that up and for other guys hopefully you know if, if there is a slow start Luca keeps that up, kind of pulls his weight, and then the other guys come on later on. But I mean, he's 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 gotten off to a flying uh, off to a flying start. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable that I get to watch him on a nightly basis. It's I'm very fortunate. He's his ability to create space for himself is unbelievable because you know it's coming too. That's the scary thing is you know a step back three is coming. Obviously, the defender knows that, and he's still able to create space. It's just. Can he cap? Can he knock down those three pointers consistently, and uh, you know force force them to play a little tighter on the perimeter? Because they would rather have Luca drive because he's not as great of a three point shooter. But if he's knocking it down, oh man, it's scary. And he just creates so much havoc. Uh, you you have defenders double team him. You know you you bring defenders out of their zone, which leaves guys wide open. And if they just knock him down. 
this offense is pretty much a, a well-oiled machine. So uh, lots to like here for, for Dallas so far. Yeah, now now shifting gears, going to another team in the state of Texas. I want to talk a little bit about Victor Wembanyama. I got a chance to go watch him play down in San Antonio against the Houston Rockets. That was the second game of the season, so that was like Friday. That that was on like like the Friday of that first week of when that season started. Um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch Wemby play, but man, yeah, he's he played uh, the Mavs first game of the year. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. But no, I mean what Wemby was was really fun to watch down in San Antonio. I went with with our mutual friend Joseph. It was his birthday a couple weeks ago, so we went down and watched that. I mean Wemby had some mo- some insane moments. I have he he had like a double putback dunk. I don't know if that makes any sense. But I can he, picture it. Okay, but it didn't count, but it was one of the most insane plays I've ever seen from a basketball player. I mean, he, this guy is ginormous. He's what how tall is he? Seven seven four? Seven four, right? seven, something five, like that. Yeah. Seven four. It's ridiculous. Um I'm I'm curious to see how he does health wise throughout the season. Um, if he gets injured or when he gets injured, um, and what how that might be for him. Because I mean he's really tall, but and but you know I mean he's skinny. He's really really skinny. Um, so I I I mean I I don't want him to get injured, but I just wanted to bring him up. I thought Wembenyama's. I mean so far he's had a really solid start to the season. He's gotten off to he's gotten off to slow starts in the games, but then he tends to heat up in the third and fourth quarter, which is which is which is good for him. And again, I mean this guy's 19 years old. He's 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 a year to two years younger than all of us, which is pretty ridiculous it's insane yeah the spurs aren't even really they're not running the offense through him it's more so if if he can get in his spot and they're going to give him the ball and let him do his thing at times and if he gets into a rhythm like okay maybe we'll shift because i think teams are expecting them to run the offense through wemby but they've gone to other guys but yeah he can get hot like really fast it's insane Uh, he had 38 points against phoenix he's recorded a block in every single game uh, he had five blocks two games ago. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable, and he can dribble. I mean, he can dribble like it's not like oh you know between the legs you know very slow. No, like he can dribble as a small forward or shooting guard could, yeah. as well as that, and that's a problem. I mean, this dude is a a unicorn and and something we've never seen in the NBA before. It's unbelievable. Now, I'm not a big Spurs guy. In fact, I very I dislike them very much. But uh I was very appreciative that they beat the Suns. And that was funny mm, to too. see Devin Booker cry. Yes, this is I an not an, like the Suns. This is an anti-Suns podcast. It, it is. is. Uh, Apologies and, to anybody from Arizona or Phoenix, but yeah. we're just not big on the Suns. You here. are so entitled for, and you've done nothing to be entitled. Yeah, I I definitely have a problem with that with Devin Booker. Um, I'm talking about Devin, yeah. When I said you, I was yeah. talking about Devin, yeah. not the fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. Uh, no, it's all good. It's uh, it's definitely a little annoying um, to see him. Uh, and they're doing the load management thing right now, or at least that's what I can. Yeah, can, uh, Bradley can Bill. See. Bradley Bill has not played yet. <clears throat> he hasn't. Nope. Zion looks angry <laughs> right uh, now. <laughs> it's it makes me it makes me very. You know what? That's fine though because hey, they're three and four right now. So. Good. Keep losing and keep resting your guys because, you know. If I, if I may have a load management conversation here, or just a, just a, a rant, I guess. <laughs> a conversation if, with myself. With myself. <laughs> yeah. uh, it makes somewhat sense, but at the same time, 
like if the end goal obviously to get to the playoffs, and then your view is that the playoffs are like a crapshoot and anything can happen, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it it advantages you to get a higher seed so you can guarantee yourself, or at least you know give yourself a better like a really good shot at getting further down the line. Because we kind of saw obviously with the Lakers last year, they were what the seven seed last year, eight seed. Um, Let me take a look. No, they they avoided the play seventh. They were, okay, they were in the play-in, yep. Okay. <laughs> well, like, I feel like you're if if you're going to load manage, which the Lakers did, right, last year a lot, then you should uh, avoid the play-in at all costs because the play-in is really the crapshoot of all, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, it's essentially uh, the version of the wild card game in baseball for a while, long time, right? Anything could happen in, in one or two basketball games. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, like... And I was glad that the Nuggets were rewarded last year for being the best team in the regular season and also, you know, just the best team overall. Yeah, and if you're hurt, you're hurt. I get that. But yes, to yes. me, to me, it's like Devin Booker is able to play most of a game, and then the next game, in game two, he's already resting. So I understand, like, being and, – and that's a conversation where maybe the NBA shortens the season or shortens how many games you play in a week – NBA, it's a t- it's tough, man. Like having to go out there and play, you know, almost forty, you know, thirty f- to thirty five minutes of intense basketball. I mean, I get sore just you know playing yeah. pickup. So I imagine I know how tough that is. But but if we can avoid like the Mavs having to play a home game in Dallas one night and then having to fly to Orlando the next night and play again, mm-hmm. and even though you know, because like no matter what, those games are going to be less fun just because one team usually is not coming off a back-to-back and the other one clearly looks exhausted yeah. to some extent, right? Yeah. And the, the the product isn't as good, in my opinion. Yeah, and and people pay money. They want to see these players play. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I understand load management. That's fine to an extent. But what Phoenix is doing is they're basically saying, KD, uh, you got to carry us right now. I mean, yeah. Devin Booker's played a little bit, but. Yeah, and, and that's what it's been for KD pretty much ever since he left the Warriors. Is yeah. that yeah. Uh, in New York or not? Not New York, sorry, Brooklyn. It is yeah. New York, but yeah. whatever. James Harden and uh, Kyrie never played together mm-hmm. a lot. Obviously, there was some other reasons for that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and then Ben Simmons entered the equation for a little while. That yeah. was funny. What's yeah. been, what's been up to nowadays? He is still with Brooklyn, uh, putting up very much the same stats that he normally like six, you know, four points, ten rebounds, seven assists. Just he, he I mean, he's kind of just a role player in, in Brooklyn. Number one pick material right there. Yeah, the the Nets the Nets have a pretty interesting team. I, I like them a lot. Um, you know, but we'll see what they can do. They they just have a bunch of like you know mediocre, not mediocre, but like slightly above average players, but not like a superstar. Yeah. Also, one thing I just want to say, I think it's crazy that 20 teams of NBA out of 30 get into the playoffs. Oh, because the play-in. Because yeah. the play-in. Yeah. Still, I mean, and, and I get it to the play-in, but still, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't encourage teams it inc- to get better, like, to, to get, to, to, to really exert yourself to get better. Well, it encourages load management. Yeah. Exactly. If you have a if 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 you can go forty and forty two like the like like the like the Oklahoma City Thunder did last year by resting players, well, fine, make it that way, right? I mean, it it allows for teams to not have to push and still get into a spot. And I'm and and again, I'm I understand it's a business, 
NBA also wants to be more inclusive of the teams because I feel like nowadays a lot of fans are, get frustrated when their team is just a bubble team and or, and they never get into the playoffs or the postseason, right? I mean, we even saw the expanded playoffs for 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 baseball a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. Having sixty six percent of the league getting into the playoffs does not encourage these teams to actually go out and get better. It's it's a it's a free buy into to the playoffs and. I don't know. For for me, I'm just not a big fan of that. But that's that's my little soapbox for yeah, this well, little episode. We all had we both had a little soapboxes <laughs> over here. Uh, but the the good news is I'm enjoying watching the basketball so far. Yeah, the, because the Mavs have been playing the people. Yeah, they have been playing their their guys. And <laughs> They've been playing the people. Yeah, and there's a lot of youth, a lot of youth um, right now in the, in the NBA. A lot of young guys coming in and and playing really well Tyrese Maxey has been superb for Philly as he will now replace James Harden uh you know Victor Wembanyama has been exciting Derek Lively for Dallas has been fun to watch Asur Thompson with the Pistons uh there's a lot of young guys and 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 Asur Thompson actually leads the NBA in blocks and steals per game which is pretty impressive because I think he's only like shout out only like six 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 seven so um, yeah, that's it's it's really good for the NBA. You know, not even to mention guys like Tatum and Luca and all. You know, there's still a lot of y- younger guys that have been in the league for several years. But um, th- there's there's a lot to be excited about as as far as offensive talent in the NBA um, and and you know defense as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a great first two weeks of the NBA season, and I, and and I mean especially for the Mavs starting off six and one. I'm hoping that they will continue. Um, on this track for the rest of the season but that will bring us to the end of the 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 nba segment that we've got here on the show but up next we've we've got some baseball we're going to go talk about some of the um, end of the season awards and also wrap up um, what was a very very special season for the texas rangers and seth and zion will have some stories for you all so when we come back we will be talking about some mlb baseball here on riff ram review here on 88.7 the choice your choice for college radio U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT G-O-A-T Acronym Stands for Greatest of All Time As in Spaghetti Sandwiches for Dinner They're my fave Dad You're the GOAT You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same Visit AdoptUSKids.org Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad Council Welcome back to episode 11 of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. We're here with our final segment. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. We've talked about college football, NFL, NBA. Now we are going to talk about the best days of our lives, Seth. The Texas Rangers winning the World Series it was unforgettable, um, and it, it happened almost a week ago, and I still can't believe it. Unfathomable events happened on Wednesday, November 3rd in Chase Field. Things that I will never forget for the rest of my life. I am still so happy. I think about it constantly. I think about it a lot. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever stop forgetting about it. Yeah. The first World Series win in franchise history for the Texas Rangers. They took care of business in five games against the Diamondbacks. Uh, I was watching the game with my dad, and I was honestly brought to tears when the Rangers won that game because I've watched hundreds and hundreds of games over the years, 
you know, been to a lot of games in person and have seen a lot of disappointment and a, a lot of failure. And to finally reach the mountaintop and win it meant a lot to me. And it was uh, just an unbelievable moment and one that I'll never forget. Yeah, it was cool seeing all those videos of people react to the to the win. There were the reactions varied from jumping up and up and down through the ceiling, screaming at the top of their lungs, to subdued cries of just just like silence. Mm-hmm. So it's just it, it just this meant a lot to the city. Obviously, as we'll talk to, I think what we mainly want to focus on are parade stories. Yeah, we both went to the parade. Uh, Seven hundred thousand people showed up. There's a lot of people. A lot of them singing Creed. A lot. <laughs> a lot of people singing Creed. I think the winner of this whole saga is Creed because they won big time. Uh, they announced a reunion tour. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that was not happening before. <laughs> At least I don't think it was. It's a major coincidence, if it was. But did did Andrew Heaney single handedly get Creed back together? That is the question. Maybe, but their streams shot up like crazy. I mean, people were blasting it. Um, I got there pretty uh, a few hours or a couple hours before the parade started. We we parked about an, a mile out. Like it was a long walk. I had to walk. We I I walked and I parked in the Progressive Insurance parking lot. I was yeah. not allowed to park there, but everyone else was. Yeah. So I just followed the crowd. That's exactly <laughs> what we did. Is not in the Progressive Insurance, but just like following people wherever they parked. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was so much fun to be able to celebrate with that many Rangers fans. Uh, for what you know, football kind of dominates this this city and this area. Uh, that for people to talk about baseball for once, you know, and, and baseball is big here, but you know, football is king and the Cowboys and whatnot. And and to hear people talking about the Rangers and their excitement and their joy was so much fun. And to get to share that moment with all those Rangers fans was really cool. It was a good time. Uh, I barely saw any of the parade. If I, if you're watching on TV, you saw more than my short little body did because <laughs> I can't, I can't, I cannot. They should allow me to be at the front because. Uh, I can't see over that many people. I did see, uh, I saw five players that I can remember. I saw Brad Miller. I saw Travis Jankowski. I saw Robbie Grossman. I saw Austin Hedges, which who, Austin Hedges was the one I really wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed by Austin because Nathaniel Lowe one-upped him by winning the the award of drunkest ranger yeah. uh, by chugging a beer and then that. taking his shirt off. Uh, I think my favorite moment that I saw was a kid jumped over the railing and ran to go get an autograph from Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally me. Because uh, that, that's a little – I'm glad that security didn't go and tackle him and just let him have the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's harmless. Yeah, because that was cool. Um, what else happened during the parade that was funny? That guy – did you see that guy that climbed on top of the the, the – Yes, on the light pole. The and light the, pole? Yeah. We, so it was crazy. We were across from the Cowboys Stadium. We were on AT&T Way, and yeah, people were climbing up trees. Uh, some guy had a perfect view from his apartment. Like, are you kidding? That's an incredible view to be able to be joking. It. Yeah, I was like, can I go over there? Like, Can I go inside yeah. your house like, right now? I know you. Um, yeah, I also went to Texas Live afterwards and waited an hour for two slices of Pudge's Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. I did. Uh, and these guys were literally 
one guy said, I will give you $100 if you buy me a slice of pizza. And I was like, well, where's the money, man? And he never showed it to me. So I was like, all right, no, not happening. And these people, like, I got several offers. Like, people were like, I'll buy you, you know, this your pizza if you just get me one. I'm like, dude, it's four bucks. Like, it's, it's wait in line. I've waited an hour. It's, you know, it was worth it, though, because we were watching, you know, the the speeches and all that. And Corey Seager dropping that, you know, crazy dish, uh, diss at... Um, dish crazy diss <laughs> Drop at, that uh, dish towel on alex yeah, bregman yeah that diss at alex bregman was well he, funny. well seager definitely dropped the timing on that joke for sure yeah but well but here's the thing with Corey though so he no, was he's t- not <laughs> so there was there i there's a hundred percent chance that he did not come up with the idea to say that himself he was dared to do that by someone else because oh totally uh and it was probably austin hedges and uh and you could tell that he was like because he's so stoic and he's so quiet and he never does anything newsworthy like that at all. Uh, so just him saying it at all is just is just you know step in a direction. I guess I don't know. If, I don't. I don't care if he's outspoken or not. But yeah. uh, I mean, it was still cool no matter what. Yeah, it was like the look on his face. Like he, I just said that. I just <laughs> made fun of Alex Bregman, and it was funny to see all the Astros fans get butter. Oh. You want to- like, well, cry. it's significant because he was the final out of that 2017 World Series. Oh, yeah, the Dodgers. Right. Yeah, so he definitely holds a grudge. Yeah, I I don't blame him for doing that. The look on like Jonah Heim's face, like they're all like, what? What did he say? You know, like <laughs> what did he say? Like, whoa, that came out of left field. No, but it was incredible. Um, just unforgettable, and I'll cherish that moment forever. Uh, for the Rangers to win that World Series just meant a lot to so many people and, and to those players as well. Um, you know, all the heartbreak, all the wounds can be healed a little bit more now of the, the ghosts of t- 2011 and and, and then Nelson Cruz retired the day after. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, I know it's probably not connected, but, you know, it was the releasing of the ghosts because yeah. uh, it was it was like when uh, – when, uh, in Star Wars, when the Force Ghost can just go away and be in peace because uh, everything's okay now. Yeah, like, like obviously they're still all alive, but like Beltre <laughs> and and Elvis <laughs> Andrews and you know they're like Anakin and Obi Wan, like they're proud, proud. Did you see the picture of Beltre holding the trophy? Yes, that made me so happy. It made me cry. It did. I mean, that's that's my favorite player of all time, Beltre. I wore twenty nine because of him. I had the same glove as him, like everything. I I modeled my game after Beltre. So glad that he could be somewhat a part of that. What I'll never forget is getting out of that stupid progressive insurance parking lot. It took me seven years. Gosh, dang it, man. I don't live that far from Arlington. Yeah. And it took forever. Yeah, it did take take a while. Uh, So... Now we could talk about this for hours, but we we're, we cl- do- we're closing the book on the 2023 season. Yes, for now, uh, we will come back to it <laughs> probably in the future, talking about free agency and stuff. But we're going to be talking about the uh, Gold Glove winners. Uh, so that was announced uh, just a few days ago, yep. right? I'm um, just curious, you know, what what do you guys think for the American League? Uh, Nathaniel Lowe, Adolis Garcia, and. Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim were the winners for the Rangers, but um, what were you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't have many issues with any of it. I think Anthony Volpe winning is kind of interesting. Um, I didn't watch him enough, but I just I mean, this could just be my my ignorance on on again not having seen him play enough this year. Um, but I mean, I, 
congrats to him for winning. I just didn't think he did anything spectacular this season. Um, but no, I mean, it's obviously to have three Rangers up there, that's awesome. Uh, Jonah Heim is there. Um, Nate Lowe, again, I don't, I, this is me. I just didn't watch the Rangers much this year. So I can't really speak to, 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 to that that much. He went from the worst defensive first baseman statistically last year to being in the top three in all defensive categories this all season. Right. There yeah, you go. he's pretty good. All right. And Adolis definitely deserved it. For yeah. his arm alone, man. Yeah. And for interesting story on Lowe, he worked with Francisco Lindor in the offseason to improve his uh, glove yeah. skills. Yeah. And it clearly worked. And then uh, for the National League, Christian Walker uh, won it. You know, he kind of had a couple blunders there in the, in the when it mattered the most in the yeah. World Series. But he was great all season long on the defensive end. Um Let's see who else. Was Shout there. out to Brian Hayes breaking Nolan Arenado's run of like a billion straight gold gloves at third. Yeah, I, if anyone was going to do it, it's him. He's got a wicked arm and uh, great over there at the hot corner for Pittsburgh. Hot Sung Kim for the Padres. Uh, probably one of the, probably the top three, one of the best defenders in the MLB period. So oh, yeah. uh, he's he's incredible there for San Diego. Um, happy for him. I think the narrative of Fernando Tatis winning it in right field is funny because in spring training, I remember watching him in right, and I was like, this guy cannot play right field. What is happening? Yeah. And then to have a great season in right field is, 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 is cool. And I have my opinions on Fernando Tatis Jr., but no, good for him. Uh, he's clearly one of the more versatile and dynamic and athletic and c- cool players in the league, and he showed that this year by winning a gold glove in a position that he had not played consistently in the majors before yeah uh so yeah that's that's it for the uh, gold gloves here we're gonna get into the awards here and maybe do some predictions here for for the rest that has not been announced with mvp cy young and all that so uh do you guys want to do that yeah yeah, yeah let's do sure. it so uh starting with the american league mvp we got shohei otani Corey seager and marcus Simeon as the finalists i think we can all agree shohei will win it yes yes and we can predict we have the we know the order because wouldn't it be funny if they released the finalists? They did not release them in alphabetical order for some of them. If they just released them in the final voting order, hmm. wouldn't that just be the biggest that'd blunder be, of yeah, all time? That would be huge. Yeah. Uh, I think the order will be Otani, Seeker, Simeon. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good for Marcus, though, for getting in that in there as well. Uh, so three uh, Rangers players make it in the AL MVP. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, so, oh, boy. Uh, um, relax. <laughs> relax. Uh, moving on to the National League MVP, we got Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Freddie Freeman. And, again, I think we're all in agreement. Ronald Acuna yeah. Jr. Yeah. will, will yeah. win it. My my only thing was, again, I, I told you guys this, this briefly, but I was surprised that um, – that Matt Olson didn't didn't even crack the 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 top three. I mean, obviously he's he's probably going to be fourth in voting, like we said, if they release that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is my Oakland A's. You know, I think um, I think I agree with you on this. But one. but honestly, what was it? Fifty three or fifty four home runs, hundred thirty nine RBIs. Um, batting average was uh, two eighty three. Hitting two eighty three with fifty four home runs. Yeah, led the league in uh, led the league uh, in homers, RBIs, and um, led the National League in slugging percentage. Yeah, 
Um, so, I mean, he, he wasn't going to win the award to begin with, but I was just kind of surprised that, look, you know, he wasn't even in the top three. Um, but I love Matt Olson. He doesn't need to to win an MVP for 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 me to believe that he's a really good player. No, yeah. and he doesn't need to win it this year to be you know to, for us to realize yeah, that he yeah. was great. And 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 also in any other year he wins this award because. Yeah. When are you going to get a season where Freddie Freeman and Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts all do what they do at the exact same time? Yeah. Like, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, and in, in, in either way, in, of those four, someone was going to be left out, and we could have yeah. argued, hey, why wasn't he in the top yep. three? Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, moving on here, we got the Cy Young here for the American League uh, Garrett Cole from the Yankees, Kevin Gosman of the Blue Jays, and Sonny Gray for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, this might be open, but what do you guys think? Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's going to win it. I would love to see Sonny Gray eventually get like a Cy Young. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad to see that he's had a good year. I mean, he's had a decent career, um, much better than I think most people realize. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Garrett Cole, yeah. Any surprises? Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole. Any surprises? Of Kevin who? Gosman I did not expect to be in the top three. Yeah. I'm going to be quite yeah. honest. Kevin Gosman is really good in, in p- certain periods, but I didn't think – he deserved a top three for Cy Young. Yeah, he led the American League in strikeouts, but besides that, nothing else really you know jumps off the page. If we want to go based on WAR for this, which I know a lot of voters nowadays do, yeah, uh, Garrett Cole is going to win this by a landslide. He had yeah. three more WAR than Kevin Gosman. Yeah, I think Garrett Cole is going to win. Um, trying to think who else could have been on this list. Uh, if Evaldi didn't get hurt, yeah, he was going to be there. Evaldi but, yeah. would have been on there. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's but, probably someone else that we're just I mean, completely blanking on. Right uh, I mean, Glass now wouldn't have been. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think we're missing anyone, but yeah, I think we're all in agreement that Garrett Cole. Uh, will will probably win American League Cy Young. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the National League, we've got Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, and Logan Webb. Uh, I was a little surprised to not see Justin Steele on there. I know mm. he. I think he struggled a little bit at the end of the season, uh, but I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, he was a r- really good pitcher, but uh, Logan Webb was so critical for the Giants. I can't be mad at that. So, yeah. uh, but who do you guys feel like is going to win that one? This is Snell. Yeah, uh, it'll be Snell. He had a great year, yep. and mm-hmm. he's going to earn himself a lot of money. Yes, because yes. he had as good a year and a great bounce back year as well. Yep. Last two seasons, I mean, last year he was good, but he he found his way back. Yeah. after a after early on struggles. Yeah, yeah like after twenty twenty when Cash pulled him early, it felt like he kind of derailed after that. Yeah, but uh, really good year this year. He finished the year very strong last season as well. If I recall, yeah, but should win his second Cy Young, and I don't. How many? There's. I mean, I want to know the list of how many players have won a Cy Young in both the American and National League because that's what's going to happen here if he does. This, if that yeah, does that. and he struggled in the beginning of the season. I know we kind of, uh, but then in was it June and July? I mean, oh wow, he was just on another level. I think yeah, in June he gave up two. Earned runs, I believe, and in July he gave up two earned runs. Like he had consecutive starts of you know no earned runs, and then racking up the double-digit strikeouts. Uh, he was just a machine, um, and yeah, I, I think it's it's Blake Snell um, all the way. But not to mention Zach Gallen and, and Logan Webb had good seasons. Yeah, Seth, um, about your 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 curiosity of winning a AL and NL Cy Young. 
Ward. It's only been so many pitchers. Um, Gaylord Perry. Ah, yes. AL and NL. Pedro Martinez. Randy Johnson. Roger Clemens. Roy Halladay. And Max Scherzer. So, I mean, um, should Blake Snell win National League MVP? He is joining some very, very, um, very good talent. That's yeah. an exclusive list. Yes. That's very exclusive. Uh, let's move on. We got uh, Rookie of the Year and Manager of the Year. Um, oh, yeah, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, so Rookie of the Year. Controversial Rookie yeah, of the Year. Very controversial that Josh Young was not on the American League Rookie of the Year. Um, we have Gunnar Henderson, who I feel like is going to – probably take this right i agree yeah yep. who are the other two uh we got costas tanner tanner yeah, bb and tristan costas sorry i didn't mention them but yeah i feel like I yeah understand. i, I did, i'm mad that i have to mention them because josh young should have been on there <laughs> he would have been if i mean uh, he only missed like a month yeah it wasn't even like it wasn't like it was four months yeah it's just one month yeah and then uh nationally we got corbin carroll james outman and kodai senga i think corbin carroll's got it man I'm just realizing like there's like no controversy. There's no controversy at all. There I mean, isn't, and we might be surprised maybe by I, I don't, but I just don't see any other way that you could vote on these. Yeah, uh, Corbin Carroll was unbelievable for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, um, I, I do want to give a shout out, and Seth, Seth, you might already know where I'm going, but James Outman went to my high school. I never saw him at my oh, high school. Dude. I wasn't there at the same time, but uh, shout out to James Outman, class of 20. 15 um sarah high school in san mateo so he was a padre for uh four years so that's crazy um, so yeah congrats to james outman for a very um very successful um rookie season with the dodgers he started out really strong and he was making a case for himself but he kind of tailed off outman only a 248 hitter this year yeah well, yeah. Sarah High School is right, Sarah. Yep, Sarah yeah. High School. Producing insane athletes: yep. Tom Brady, <laughs> Barry Bonds, Bonds, and James Outman, Lynn Swan, and Ian Lapishan, and great podcasters as well. Yes, great podcasters as well. That's exactly. unbelievable. You're, yeah, Lynn Swan went there as well. Like, yeah, I mean, your alumni can stack up better than anyone um, at TCU for sure. <laughs> I mean, good lord, I have Willie Calhoun and. Uh, that Ranger legend, so bro, I just like the, my most famous alum at my school is a nondescript. You, no one even knows who it is except for me because he was my friend. <laughs> who is, who is Jaden Rye, professional disc golfer, my guy. Dude, no way. I'm just kidding. That's messed <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, also David Bakhtiari. Oh my what? gosh! Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Sa- Sa- Sarah's football is is, is dude. One what's of the, best. the reunion? High school reunions like? Yeah, I dude. know. I don't pull know. Up. I know. I I, I gotta go. No, Tom, I, Tom Brady never came back to Sarah when I was there in those four years. But um, I think he made it to one Super Bowl or two. I think it was one Super Bowl within those four years. And so um, I forgot who it was, either NBC or Fox or something like that. They came and did a big feature, like. Everyone knew like when they were here for like to to do like some Super Bowl promo, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's cool. I mean his his parents, um, Tom Brady Senior, and and his wife still live in the same house when Tom Brady went to went to uh, Sarah. It's literally two streets over from the school, so I think that's kind of neat. So that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, do we want to just do Manager of the Year as well? Quickly? Yeah, yeah. I feel like there can be controversy in Manager yes. of the Year. So American League, we got Bruce Bochy, Kevin Cash, and Brandon Hyde. Uh, as much as I want to pick Bochi, I think Brandon High is probably going to win it because yeah. Baltimore just had an insane regular yeah. season. And, and it's, just just recall these are these were all voted on before the postseason starts. Yes. So uh, the, none of the what happened in the playoffs is you know 
factored into these mm-hmm. things. I these managers of the year, executive of the year, whatever, are usually awards given to the, you know, whoever was the manager of the team who had the lowest expectations coming into the season that exceeded them the most. Yeah. And that is Brandon Hyde and the Orioles. Yeah. Um, I, I, what do you think? You agree, Ian? Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree. And and I, I agree in the sense that, right, I think if you take into account what happened um, in the postseason, um, the award would go to Bochy. But, yeah, I mean, what Brandon Hyde did with the Orioles, I mean, it was a complete turnaround. What, like, I mean, it was... They won, like, 80-something games yeah, last year. Yeah, and, and then now they're at 102. 101. 101. And then the year before that, if you really want yeah. to... Manager of the year, you could also view as a multi-year sort of process. Yeah. And certainly Brandon Hyde has been through this rebuild. Yeah. And, and credit to the Orioles for keeping up. Like, it's very easy to, like, you know, you, you get have a manager and they stink, and then or the team stinks, and then you fire him, and then you have to restart that whole process again. And then, But they stuck with him. He kind of learned on the job, and he's been good. And even though they didn't have a good postseason, yeah. uh, certainly you know steps in the right direction. They'll win rookie of the year, too. So Yeah, yeah. well, ultimately, Baltimore just ran into a brick wall with yeah. the red-hot Texas Rangers. They've got a very talented team. They will be back. Super excited to see what Baltimore does. Uh, but finally, for National League uh, Manager of the Year, we got Craig Council, <laughs> Seth Sky with the Brewers, who just joined the Chicago Cubs and replaced David Ross on the spot there. Pretty Should intense. It, if he wins, Manager of the Year. It'd be with, pretty funny. With the Brewers. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened in, in the NBA. Dwayne Casey got fired by the Raptors and won uh, <laughs> Coach, Coach of the Year. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty I think intense. it would be hilarious because Brewers fans wouldn't be happy at all. No, would Cubs be, fans be, be happy? Like, no, they'd be like, mad. They wouldn't They'd care. be like, hey, at least we're getting you. They wouldn't yeah. care. Yeah. Um, and, like, do, do, do it again with us? Yeah, I could talk about that whole saga for ages, so yeah. I'll just say this. If you are not familiar with what happened yesterday with Craig Council and the Brewers and the Cubs and that whole managerial saga that was the equivalent of a reality television in Major League Baseball, just go read an article or whatever, and you will not be uh, displeased with the results because that was the funniest half hour of off-season just Baseball. shenanigans yeah. that could have ever happened, and yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. But who are the other finalists here? Uh, Brian Snicker, the Braves, and uh, Skip Shoemaker with the Marlins. Skip will win that one, yeah, because again, it's the it's the scenario of yeah. who had the lowest expectations exactly. coming in, and then yeah. who uh, exceeded them. And the Marlins made the playoffs. Yep. So yeah, Maybe. and again, right it, it, along those same lines. I mean, what Brian Snicker has done with the Braves over the last. Um, couple of seasons I mean it's it's been nothing but amazing and um, same with council too he's exactly not, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I can per- see council even more with council because of you know that that it was much more of a rebuild for them well yeah and you don't get a lot of resources in Milwaukee no. you look at that roster and you're like he's certainly playing they're certainly playing up yeah. uh I mean Mark Canna would have been their second highest paid position player going into the next season had they not traded him before they picked up it, before uh, they had to pick up his team option. So if that tells you anything about how cheap Milwaukee is, yeah, yeah. Mark Canna, baby, there Mark Canna, indeed, Canna can, yeah, yeah. he yeah. can can. <laughs> <laughs> so that will wrap things up here for episode eleven of Refram Review. That was a fun one, guys. I, yep. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so again, that'll wrap things up. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Refram Review. We'll post clips on there. Uh, from this episode, you can also listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, again, at Riff Ram Review. 
For Ian of Pishin and Seth Dowdle, I'm Zion Trammell. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.